everybody, welcome to The Light Angle. Today is February 7th, 2023, and my name is Jack. Hope y'all are having a good week. Hope your weekend was great. I'm going to get right into it. I got a couple stories here, some good news going on in the world. So when you live in a world stuck in crazy Chinese surveillance balloons flying over your head and Satan worship at the Grammys. I mean, you need some good news in your life. So I'm glad you came to this place. Let's get into it. So my first article is uh, from the Christian Post. Yep, we're going to bring a little bit of Jesus to you real fast, right from the get-go. So this article uh, title is Christian-Owned Revelation Cafe, Helping People Fight Food Addiction with Healthy Alternatives. So I think we all can take a little bit from this. You know, a lot of us listening are first world people. And what I mean by that is we have the luxury of pretty much eating whenever, however much we want, whenever we want all the time, some of us. And a lot of it isn't even really food. Did you know that? Like all the stuff that actually tastes good, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, chips, all the junk that we want to eat all the time. It's actually not really food. It provides really no nutritional value. And in some cases, it's not even actual food. It's more wooden bug. But anyway, let's not get into that. Um, so my point I'm trying to make, though, is that we uh, were blessed with uh, abundance at this point in humanity, <laughs> human history. Um, and with that comes gluttony, naturally, almost. I mean, you know, how many of us pay attention and count calories? I know some of y'all do. Um, I don't. I should. I try to eat more salads, if that means anything. Let's get into the story, though. In Lutz, Florida, a Christian couple named Mia and Robbie Graham have cultivated a space where their community and tourists can be fed spiritually and savor a nutritious meal. Revelations Cafe, Food for the Soul, from producer John Corey of the critically acclaimed documentary Forks Over Knives, takes viewers on Mia's and Robbie's journey that united the couple and led them to build a cafe that's helping others to lead healthier lives by nourishing the body, mind, and soul. I think that everyone who is a non-believer and new believers are looking at us and we need to think about how we're presenting the body and not just the body of Christ, but the physical body, Mia told the Christian Post. We are three-part beings, she said. We are the temple and we have to honor God with what we put in our bodies. The faith-based cafe features a plant-based menu designed to heal the body. Well, they already lost me at plant-based, but anyway, I'll read on. We've looked at alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography, gambling, and all those sins in a way different from how we look at food addiction, because food addiction is something you can easily hide, Mia explained. You can hide it, but you really can't hide it because of the external aspect. Obesity goes hand in hand with many chronic diseases, and the Grams want to help as many people as possible to get healthy and lead lives enriched by the healing properties of nutritional foods. However, Like Robbie, some people can look healthy on the outside while other dangers lurk on the inside. At 57, Robbie suffered a heart attack due to a blocked artery and plaque buildup in multiple blood vessels. Exceptionally fit, Robbie had no idea he had heart disease. He reluctantly embraced a plant-based diet and saw firsthand how his new eating habits improved his cholesterol numbers, lowered his blood pressure, and reversed heart disease. According to the Mayo Clinic, 70% of Americans are on at least one prescription drug and more than half are taking four or more prescriptions daily. The Grams believe this doesn't have to be. 
With no previous restaurant experience, the couple transformed a former mattress store into Revelations Cafe. It was like someone had put a computer chip in my brain and all this information started pouring in, Mia told CP. God gave me a vision of what our life was going to be like together. But I'm thinking it was just going to be what we were going to be friends, or that we were going to be friends. We were going to have this ministry because I was not looking for a husband or a boyfriend or anything. When Mia and Robbie first met, she was newly divorced single mom raising two teenage boys and Robbie was homeless living in a Salvation Army due to drug abuse. Robbie, once a fit and successful businessman, injured his back while squatting and became addicted to pain pills. The addiction became so severe he found himself snorting and shooting up drugs. Roddy became an IV drug user and lost everything within three years. In 2013, he found himself homeless at a Salvation Army shelter and met Mia shortly after. Mia struggled with alcohol and food following her divorce, but one day God showed her how her addiction to food was a distraction that the enemy was using and what her future would look like if she didn't take control of her life and live for his glory. The couple said they want people to be aware of the enemy's tactics to keep them distracted and unhealthy. I just think that we don't recognize it right away. We're not aware of the times that we eat because we're bored, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, etc., she explained. She advised that before binge eating, people should ask themselves, am I hungry? That's a great question. Mia said people would be better off if they think more than act on a lot of things. Revelations Cafe has become so popular that some local physicians began prescribing meal plans from the restaurant to their patients instead of pharmaceutical drugs. Mia and Robbie make all of the meals themselves, and the restaurant features a prayer wall and booth in the back of the cafe where Robbie prays with customers. In conjunction with the documentary, which can be streamed at revelationscafe.com, the Grams recently released a book, 222 says it was always you that delves deeper into their testimonies and God's work in their lives. Pretty awesome story. Not just for the two, you know, coming up from <clears throat> horrible situations and finding success, but doing it with God's will. Doing God's will <laughs> brought him or brought both of these people through the worst in a position where they can help and bless others fight their addictions, specifically food <laughs> food addictions, which is, that's awesome. What a great story. I mean, good for them. Good for the people. Good for the community. I mean, shoot, doctors are prescribing meal plans through this restaurant. I mean, I don't know. Sounds kind of shady there, a little money under the table, but hey, it's all in God's will. So I'm all for it. That's good stuff. I like it. That good. That's good. All right. <laughs> Moving on into the past, if you will. Uh, this is from the Good News Network. And uh, I know Kenny and I, a year or so ago, uh, have talked about, you know, World War II stories and stuff like that, of which we have never had to deal with or really know anybody who has. But um, there's always interesting stories, even this far, 80 plus years after the war, there are still stories coming out. And some of these are actually good. So this story is a man finally meets family that hid him during Nazi Holocaust 80 years ago and visits the house. So an elderly Belgian man was able to meet the descendants of a neighbor who saved him from the Holocaust after his perseverant son and a helpful geneticist managed to track down his grandchildren. The meeting was organized in the same house where a five-year-old David Rossler was hidden along with his mother, 
Now at 85, Rossler had a chance to thank the grandchildren for what their grandfather, George Borlay, had done. Mr. Borlay lived in Audergham, Brussels, with his four adolescent children, Paul, Jacques, Anne-Marie, and Christian. I think it's Christian. Anyway, uh, together they gave shelter to Rossler and his mother towards the end of the war in 1944, after Rossler's uncle and grandfather had already been seized and sent to Auschwitz. In the present day, David Rossler's son, Lionel, has tried for years to find the family that hid his father and grandmother. Thanks to social media and genealogist Mary Capper at MyHeritage, he was able to track down Anne-Marie's son, Xavier. After browsing records and cross-referencing data, Mary found an Anne-Marie Borlay, born in Ogdenham in 1929, said Lionel. She discovered that Anne-Marie married someone with a surname Dedenacher, 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 and had five children, all of them possibly still alive. After a bit of more research, Capert found Xavier, one of George Borlay's grandsons, and managed to contact him. Through Xavier, Capert got in contact with all five grandchildren of George Bollet and explained that Lionel hoped to be able to introduce them to David, whom their grandmother had sa- grandfather had saved when he was just a boy. It became clear that one of the grandchildren lived in the very house that David was hidden in, after which a meeting was set up there. It was an incredibly emotional day for us, Lionel explained. I was able to see with my own eyes the place where my father was kept safe from the Germans all those years ago. If I had Mr. Bollet in front of me, I would want to kiss him, said David, to say thank you with all my body, with all my life. I am alive. I have a family of which I am very, very, very proud to tell him that my life is thanks to him. Nine people were saved thanks to what he did, Lionel added. My brother, myself, and our children would not be here today if not for his courage and kindness. In Jewish tradition, there is a saying that he who saves one life saves all of humanity. George Borlay saved humanity nine times over. We are submitting a testimony to Yad Vashin in the hopes that he will be recognized for his heroism and granted the title of Righteous Among the Nations, said Lionel referencing the Israeli civilian honor for those who risked their lives to save Jews during the Holocaust. Pretty cool. Pretty neat stuff. I can't imagine what it was like during that time, during World War II, especially living in Europe in German-occupied, you know, places where <laughs> you do something like this, your whole family dies a horrible death. I mean, that's just how it was. And on top of that, the people you were trying to save also die along with you. I mean, we know from history that not many people made that choice to save others. And that's sad, but that's the sad reality of it. And we have to make sure we don't shelter ourselves from such horrors, but that we're aware so we don't repeat the same things. Um, I, (laughs) I would love to say that I'm strong enough willed and, you know, would save people. And I think I would, but until you really live in a time in a situation like that, you just don't know. But anywho, that's neither here nor there. I'm glad this guy got to meet the family that saved his family. And what a great story. All right. One more. This is a short one. This is pretty cool. And it's local. Uh, to where I'm at. So Tennessee, this is from CBS News. Tennessee students create robot, ro- robotic, robotic hand for new classmate. Classmate, they changed my life. 
Attending a new school can be a difficult challenge for any student, but fortunately for one 15-year-old in Tennessee, he found a group of innovative students who changed his life. Sergio Peralta started the new school year at Hendersonville High School with a secret, a hand that didn't, didn't fully form. In the first days of school, I honestly felt like hiding my hand, he told CBS News, like nobody would ever find out. A teacher in the school's engineering program did find out, though, and told Peralta that his classmates might be able to help him out. They ended up offering me, like, would you build your, we could build your prosthetic hand, and I never expected it, he said, like never in a million years. With access to online models and a 3D printer, the group, which didn't even know if their plan would work, hit a home run. Using the prosthetic, Peralta was able to catch a baseball with his right hand for the first time. They changed my life, Peralta said. That's the end of the story. But I just thought it was pretty cool that, you know, growing up, I mean, kids were bullies, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same way today. Uh, you'll be hard-pressed to find, you know, a handful of kids, and this is just my opinion, don't get mad at me, but I believe you'll be hard-pressed to find a handful of kids in any given place at any given time that are outgoing and nice and not mean in some sort of way to have kids in high school here reach out to a kid who, you know, has a disability was born without a hand and offer to make him one. That's pretty amazing. I mean, talk about making fast friends. Good for him. Caught a ball for the first time in his life with his right hand. Eh, some of us have we're born with both hands and can't catch a ball. But anyway, neither here nor there. All right, let's wrap this up with the Bible verse of the week from Fox News. The message of Jesus on love is confrontational, faith leader says. But I say to you that here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Luke six twenty seven. Man, that's, that's easier said than done, isn't it? This verse comes from the Gospel of Luke, one of the three synoptic Gospels of the New Testament. Who was Luke exactly? Also known as Luke the Evangelist, Luke is widely regarded as the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, according to Christian website OverviewBible.com. Interestingly, Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else, even the Apostle Paul. Luke wasn't an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry, but he lived during the first century, and according to his own writings, he carefully investigated everything from the beginning. While traveling alongside the Apostle Paul, he also likely had direct access to the apostles and other accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. The verse from the Gospel of Luke is both convicting and confrontational. Here we see Jesus in the midst of his ministry. Brandon Jenkins, pastor of Arcoma Bible Studies in Rockwall, Texas, told Fox News, Jesus was not a universally beloved figure during his lifetime, Jenkins said. He is despised by the religious leaders of his day. He noted that Jesus became more despised because he preached a message of love in response to Roman oppression. During the life of Jesus, many people turned away from his message because he called on them to love their enemies, Jenkins continued. This lesson is one that should resonate for believers in the modern era, even if it is challenging, he said. For Christians in America today, 
we cannot afford to overlook the example Jesus of Jesus calling us to love in the most unconventional way. We as the church must embrace this example of love from the one we claim to be following, he said. A person's faith and convictions cannot be limited to the inside of a church building either. We must understand that our witness and testimony are not separate from our social media posts, private conversations with friends, or how we treat people. He added, it's time for us Christians to act like Christians. A significant part of that reality is loving our enemies, not hating, slandering, and ridiculing those who disagree with our beliefs, he finished. Oh, good point. Can't argue with any of it, can you folks? I mean, (laughs) you want to, you want to say, but so-and-so said, or this guy did. But the reality is, is if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we have to act like Christians. And well, we're told to love our enemy. So, so that's, that's, that's hard. That's hard to do, but here we are. You got to do it. It's, I mean, you don't have to do it. I mean, you just really shouldn't call yourself a Christian if you don't then, you know, I mean, you got to do one or the other. So (laughs) I'll just close on that before I dig a hole here. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't y'all pray with me? Father God, thank you for this new week and the opportunities you've put before us. Help us make the time to serve you and others around us. Give us the wisdom, wisdom to take better care of ourselves and treat our bodies as the temples to you that they are. Also, help us put aside our anger and frustration we have towards others, and rather, help us to love our enemies as hard as it may be. Give us the strength, patience, and humbleness needed to follow your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light in the darkness.